0: I called up Josh Kaplan from over at ProPublica to tell me the story of what happened on April 21st, 2022, in Tallahassee, Florida. This was a Thursday, and the state's legislature was supposed to be all finished up. But Governor Ron DeSantis had called lawmakers back into session. They were there to fight.
1: I mean, if you talk to to people who are on the inside, I mean, this was a battle for the political future of Florida. This was a fight of enormous proportions.
0: Before we go inside the room that day, let me explain what this fight was all about. Maps. It is the Florida legislature's job to draw redistricting maps every 10 years. But this year, Governor DeSantis was not happy with their work. He thought they could squeeze out a few more Republican seats. So he came out with a map all his own.
1: At first, the Republicans balked. I mean they and they basically said, like, we don't think this is illegal, uh, what you're doing. And we don't want to get sued. It's annoying, it's expensive, and it doesn't look great when they're up for re-election necessarily.
0: The legislature tried tinkering with the governor's plan passing a compromise, DeSantis was not having it.
1: And then he vetoes the legislature's bill. And, I mean, this was, this was a, a big surprise to a lot of Republicans.
0: Oh, because suddenly there are no maps and there's about to be an election in November.
1: Right. And this was a very important bill. I mean, they thought they'd satiated him. And it, it really caught people off guard.
0: Which is how we arrive at that special session back in April.
1: Members, of the House will come to order.
0: After the governor's veto, lawmakers showed up to grit their teeth and jam through Desantis's plan. For many, signing off on these new districts, it was painful not just because it was going to tip the political balance in the state. This map also took aim at majority black districts, slicing them to pieces.
1: I want to talk to the people at home. Hello, Black Floridians at home today that's watching this. The Florida House is about to cut your representation by 50 percent
0: before lunchtime. Democratic lawmakers, Black lawmakers, they spoke for nearly two hours that day. And then Republicans cut them off.
2: We are abdicating our constitutional responsibility and subverting the power to him. That this inclination to spend Representative other people's
0: the time has expired in debate. That's when the Democrats started chanting. Oh, the time has expired. Ex- ex- Meanwhile, their GOP colleagues were, for the most part, silent.
1: Republicans in the legislature have been worn down by DeSantis. I mean, it, it was simply a, it was a calculation that it was time to stop making a scene. They did not want to you know, continue to upset the governor. They didn't want to have this fight in public.
0: So they gave in.
1: Yes, they gave in. The Republican leaders didn't want to put their members through the public spectacle of trying to overrule the veto of a governor who is extremely popular with the Republican base in Florida. And they passed it on party lines.
0: Today on the show, we're going to tell the inside story of Florida's brutal redistricting fight this year. It just might tip the balance of power in Congress come November. And what happened here, it could be just the beginning. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It can be hard to visualize the problem with redistricting maps without knowing a whole lot about the state they're carving up. So to understand what happened in Florida this year... I'll start by explaining the congressional map Republicans initially drew, the one Governor DeSantis rejected. This first map gave Republicans plenty of advantages, creating 16 safe districts for them and 12 for Democrats in a state that's pretty much 50-50. In other words, Josh Kaplan says, it was gerrymandered, but not outrageously so.
1: The Republicans had come up with a map that stuck to the status quo. It would modestly advantage the GOP, but only modestly.
0: So when did it become clear that the governor of Florida was dissatisfied with the work the legislature had done?
1: Well, so frankly, to almost everyone in Tallahassee, Republican and Democrat alike, it didn't become clear until he came out with his own map. He moved in silence for, for months. He didn't express any public interest in this lengthy process the legislature had been going through. And then on January 16th of this year, uh, the day before Martin Luther King Jr. Day, he proposes a map of his own.
0: Is that usual for a governor to come in and say, oh, I've got a map?
1: No. It's never happened before in Florida. This is the province of the legislature. Uh, They're the ones who passed maps. They're the ones who have always crafted the maps. And the fact that he did this and the plan that he came forward with were immediately extremely controversial.
0: Was it instantly clear, looking at the map that the governor proposed, that it would really change the makeup of Congress from Florida?
1: Yes, it was far more advantageous to the Republican Party.
0: Yeah, we said it was like a 16 12 split in the legislature's map. What did it look like under DeSantis?
1: So, what the plan DeSantis ultimately got through is predicted to give 20 seats to Republicans and eight to Democrats. Wow. Uh, So, that's more than 70% of the delegation going to the GOP in a state that, as you said, is is basically 50-50. And it's also actually that that four-seat gain that is being predicted by the people that analyze these things is the largest predicted gain by either party in any state in the country.
0: I want to talk about what Desantis's map does or would do in practice, because what it specifically did was kind of take a hammer to majority Black districts in Florida, right? Can you explain how it worked?
1: Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a critical question here because it's it's not just the partisan game that he got out of this. It's how he achieved those gains that makes this map so significant and that could have reverberations around the country. So he wiped away half of Florida's Black-controlled districts Kind of most controversially, he took aim at a district in North Florida that is currently held by Al Lawson. It's this stretch right along the northern border of the state that goes from Tallahassee to Jacksonville and uh, is a part of Florida that was once dominated by tobacco and cotton plantations. Uh, it united Black communities that were largely populated by the descendants of sharecroppers and slaves. And this district had actually been created by the Florida Supreme Court uh, just seven years before. And what DeSantis did to it is he he shattered it. He broke it into four pieces and he tucked each piece away into a majority white, heavily Republican seat. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I was looking at you know, Al Lawson's campaign site, and he talks about being the descendant of sharecroppers and working in tobacco fields. Like, it's clear that he was repping hard for what that district looked like uh, in its original formation.
1: Yeah. Black voters in this part of Florida and frankly in all of Florida didn't have representatives until very recently. Florida is uh, 17% black. There are more black voters in Florida than any state in the country except for Texas. So the the first representative from Florida, black representative from Florida was elected in 1870, right after uh, the Civil War in the Reconstruction era. And as that gave way to Jim Crow, he, he lost his office very quickly. The second black representative from Florida was elected in 1992, uh, more than 100 years later.
0: Yeah, quite a gap in time there.
1: Yeah. And and, and the reason for that is maps. Uh, there were obviously a lot of, there's a long history of voter suppression, but specifically uh, distorted maps made it so that it took 122 years for the state to elect its second Black representative.
0: I want to focus a bit too on why splitting up a Black district like this is a big deal in the South. There are all the obvious reasons, but Also, in the past, my understanding is that one way Republicans have built political power is by making safe districts for themselves, but also for black candidates. It was a kind of I scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of arrangement. And this map, (laughs) it makes very clear that that's not what's going to happen anymore, basically, at least not in Florida
1: yeah, this is a new strategy. This is a, this is a tactic that experts say we've really never seen before. Even when Republicans in the South, for instance, gerrymandered aggressively, they tend to uh, left these Black-controlled districts alone, or maybe they toyed around the edges with them. They didn't create as many Black-controlled districts as they, many would say they should have, but they gerry- did their gerrymandering elsewhere in the state. Uh, and so, when Desantis did this, there was no doubt that he was going to get sued. Uh, so that will be the that, and obviously that will be litigated. But I can tell you, the original district would absolutely have been litigated. And if you look at what, and it remains to be seen whether he will prevail against those lawsuits. But if he does, there's a lot of fear that he'll have laid out a new strategy for Republicans across the South and across the country. That this is easily replicable, and he will have shown the whole nation that this is an option.
0: After the break, if what's happening in Florida is a strategy that could be replicated all over the country, who's behind it? As soon as Josh Kaplan understood how radical Florida's new redistricting map was, he wanted to know who drew this thing in the first place. While Governor DeSantis had presented this map as his own, he's not exactly a cartographer. So Josh started pulling public records, starting with the governor's calendar. Turned out it was all right there.
1: It started with this the secret phone call on January 5th about a week and a half before he came up with this map. They called it the, the Florida Redistricting Kickoff Call. And it was some of his top aides uh, and two out-of-state specialists with close ties to the National Republican Party.
0: You hone in on one of these characters in particular, a lawyer named Jason Torshinsky. Why did he stand out?
1: Jason Torshinsky appears to be kind of a central note in this. throughout From the kind of... The start to the finish of this, this saga, he is meeting with DeSantis' top team. But the other important thing about Jason Tarczynski is he is the general counsel to the National Republican Redistricting Trust. Uh, and what the National Republican Redistricting Trust is, it's this, this new dark money group that the RNC helped spin up that is the National Republican Party's official nerve center for getting a favorable election map across the country.
0: Eventually, Jason Torchinsky logged more than 100 hours putting together Governor DeSantis's new map. At the same time, he was also directing redistricting work in other states, like Texas and Virginia and Michigan. But partisan involvement in the redistricting process is supposed to be illegal in Florida. In 2010, Florida voters passed a constitutional amendment that banned partisan gerrymandering in the state.
1: What this amendment was is it made Florida one of the first states in the country to outlaw partisan gerrymandering. And it was really, it was a landmark effort in what is now a growing movement to get rid of this age-old problem of politicians trying to game the system. More states have started to follow suit, although still far from the majority. And at the moment, these laws that we have in Florida and are starting to see in more states are the only real stopgap against partisan gerrymandering.
0: So under Florida's constitutional amendment, is the governor working with national GOP strategists to create a redistricting map? Is that against the rules?
1: Yeah, I mean a, a court will decide that, but it, it may it very well maybe.
0: Earlier this year, a lower court gave the governor's map its stamp of approval, at least temporarily.
1: And it, once they did that, it became all but certain that this map is going to last uh, through the midterms. But, you know, whether it lasts through 2024 and beyond is ultimately going to come down to Florida's Supreme Court. Um, it's widely expected that that uh, they're ultimately going to make the decision about this broader case.
0: Given the state's constitutional amendment that explicitly bans partisan gerrymandering, what do you give the odds of this map lasting?
1: I mean, it's it's very much an open question. I talked to the former chief justice of the Supreme Court in Florida, a jurist who uh, retired in 2019, And she felt very strongly that this evidence was was a powerful indication um, that this was against the Constitution. But since she retired and others retired, uh, there's been a very significant change in the composition of the court. And and DeSantis, like Trump, uh, ran for election with a promise of installing conservative stalwarts into Florida's judiciary.
0: But it was the Supreme Court that in 2015, the Florida Supreme Court, that laid out strict guidelines to prevent partisan redistricting, right?
1: Yep. Um, But uh, it's changed since then. Uh, DeSantis actually has appointed the majority of the justices on the Supreme Court. Every justice on the Supreme Court was appointed by a Republican governor, and they have, over the last couple of years, this newly constituted court has demonstrated that it is more than willing to overturn its own precedent um, that's just a, a few years old. There's certainly a lot of cynicism among observers that you know they aren't going to strike this down, they're going to let it stand, but I think it's very much an open question.
0: Could the federal courts intervene here?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a federal lawsuit ongoing as well. That is, you know, obviously it, it's a narrower lawsuit. The protections in Florida, both in terms of how minority communities should be treated in this process, and certainly uh, partisan considerations, are are much stronger in Florida law than they are federally.
0: Right, because in in 2019, the Supreme Court ruled that federal courts are basically staying out of the partisan gerrymandering situation. The conservative justices, led by Chief Justice John Roberts, ruling that courts cannot decide when politicians have drawn congressional or state legislative district lines to gain political advantage. But racial gerrymandering is still something they can dip in on.
1: Yes. And so there is a uh, lawsuit bringing claims under the, the 14th and 15th ma- amendments saying that this was illegal racial discrimination. Um, and that you know, I think it's it's really too early to say what's going to happen with that case. You know, there's a lot of thorny legal questions at play that are very much in flux. Uh, and as we've learned over the last decade, I mean, federal voting protections for minority communities seem to be changing every year or two these days.
0: To me, it's interesting to hear how Governor DeSantis talks about this gerrymandered map he's created, especially when it comes to race because he likes to talk about it as colorblind, essentially arguing that taking race into account at all is some kind of form of racism.
1: We will obviously say it's unconstitutional to draw a district like that where race is the only factor. And so.
0: And I wonder if that struck you, too, because to me, it seems to be providing an argument, assuming that this case does make it up to the Supreme Court, which still can consider racial gerrymandering, and may look at this map and say, you obliterated this black district and even your legislature didn't want you to do it.
1: Yeah. You know, what he's with his phrasing about Al Lawson's district is that that itself was a racial gerrymander. It was an unconstitutional gerrymander. Um, and, and what he was he wasn't inventing an argument out of whole cloth this colorblindness theory that has been a mainstay of the U.S. Supreme Court under John Roberts. Um, It's uh, this kind of anti-affirmative action theory that uh, Roberts famously articulated or distilled uh, when he said in a school desegregation case that the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race.
0: All races.
1: Right. Right. And so deliberately protecting Black voting power is actually against the 14th Amendment of the Constitution.
0: Hmm. Before we go, I just want to go back to Al Lawson a little bit, the congressman whose district was dismantled here. He's still running for Congress right now, right?
1: Yeah, he is. Uh, He is running in one of the four districts that his uh, old seat got. Uh, broken part into.
0: This race seems a lot more challenging for him than it would have been otherwise. And I know he's down in the polls. He's running against a, another incumbent, right? The Republican?
1: Yep. And it's, I mean, it's certainly an uphill battle. I i, I can't predict the future, but it is, you know, you look at the, the numbers. This is a district that is heavily Republican. And also that, unlike his old district, is majority white. And in this part of Florida, race and party are have some significant correlations, uh, to say the least.
0: Yeah. Even if the Supreme Court of Florida did weigh in here and find that this map was a partisan gerrymander, I guess it would come too late for Al Lawson.
1: Yeah, there's. I think at this point there's no chance that this map's changing by the time people go to the polls next month.
0: Josh Kaplan, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much, Mary.
0: Josh Kaplan is a reporter at ProPublica. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support our work is to join Slate+. Plus. You know how to do it. You just aim your computer over to slate.com slash whatnextplus and sign up. And you've probably heard about the deal we've got going. So get on it right now. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Mary Wilson, Carmel Dalshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips and Jared Downing. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. I will be back in this feed tomorrow. I'll catch you then.